10 and or chapter verse 10 and we won't read the all these verses here but I want to look at verse 10 and 11 tonight and briefly and if you'd stand with me one more time all right just as we read these couple of verses and think about our Lord Matthew chapter 2 verse 10 and verse 11 it says when they saw the star they rejoiced with exceeding great joy and when they were come into the house they saw the young the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshiped him when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we thank you for our time together this evening. Our the times with the Christmas songs and singing the carols, our times of hearing the Christmas story read and all that it has meant for us. And Lord, as we enter into the next part of the service, as we think about why our Savior has come, I pray that you do a work in our hearts this evening. Draw us near to you, Lord, and uh, give us a special time in your presence. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to just look at those simple gifts there, and I know this story, the Christmas story is a familiar story. I, I doubt anybody's here tonight's heard the Christmas story the first time, and probably many of us many, many, many times. And uh, here we see uh, one of the elements of it. We see the wise men who've come from afar. They've come from the east. We don't know who they are, and we don't know their names. We don't necessarily know how many of them there are. Many times folks assume three because there were three gifts, but we, we don't know for certain how many, how many of the wise men were there, but we know they came. And that they came with gifts to worship the Lord. And they had come a great distance. I want to just look at the, these gifts because I, I think in them we get a little glimpse of what the work of our Savior and what He did for us. And obviously we're here tonight just not just to remember His birth, but to reason, the reason why He came. And uh, that is His death on the cross. And I, the first thing I, I take notice of here is the first gift that is there. It's, it's gold. It's a gift of gold they would bring to Him and and they would all lay that gift down there before him. And immediately, when you think of gold, we, we think of royalty, don't we? We think of kings. We think of heaven. I think of how the Bible says heaven, uh, streets of gold. And we think of, we think of royalty. We think of kings, we think of wealth, and obviously we get a little bit of a picture here as these wise men came, and they worshipped him, they worshipped him as king. I remind of what the scripture says in, in Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, One day, or uh, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord. He is Lord. I, I am thankful that he's Lord. One day he's coming to prove that to the world. Uh, we live in a day and age in which many deny it. Many denied him in that present time. Herod would actively work against him, and many throughout the life of Christ would actively work against the Lord. And, but yet God in his graciousness, God in his long-suffering nature, gave them time after time and opportunity after opportunity to decide. Revelations chapter 19, verses 11 through 16, gives us a picture of, of what's coming. And he said, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white throne, and, or a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. I'm glad I serve a faithful and true Lord. And in righteousness he doth, in righteousness he doth judge and make war. I'm thankful that God's judgments are always righteous. Amen. We can't say that of men, but God's righteousness is always, as all, his judgment is always righteous. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written uh, that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses and clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And with it that he should smite the nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. 
It's an amazing thing when you think about our Savior. He's always been King of Kings and Lord of Lords, hasn't he? But one day he's coming back to take that title and prove it to the world. In this passage of Scripture, we see that King of Kings and Lord of Lords humble himself and take upon him the form of a servant. Born in a little manger in Bethlehem to live his life without sin and die on the cross and rise again. But we see that gift of, of a recognition that this is a king. This was a Lord. I think when you think of Christ as king, it, it produces a call or it should produce a call in us. And that call is, is surrender, isn't it? It is surrender. I think as you saw these wise men come to worship him and they offered up this gift of gold, I, I think it was a picture of humbling themselves before him. This is king. This is Lord. I think of the call of the gift of gold is the call for you and I to humble ourselves before our God. One day every knee will bow and every knee shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But that day there will be no choice in the matter. You know, the wonderful privilege of this side of that day is that you and I, with, with choice, bow the knee and worship our God. There's coming a day when that which is under the earth and that which is above the earth and that which is in the earth, oh, every, every knee of those in hell and those on earth, that's all of us and all the angels of heaven will bow the knee and worship God. But this side of that day is our opportunity to do it in humility before our God. Humility. God resisted the pat proud, but he giveth grace to the who? Humble. I think the gift there is a representation and it's our opportunity, it's our call to humble ourselves before the Lord. Not my will be done, but what? Thine be done. It was a recognition that there is one Lord, one King, and He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And there is a call to humble ourselves. I think tonight as we're about to take the Lord's Supper, one of the things that we should give consideration to is have I knelt, have I humbled myself, have I truly surrendered to my Lord? I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. Have we humbled ourselves before the Lord? The next gift we see here is a gift of, of frankincense. It says there, and it says, and when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts of gold and frankincense. We see a picture of, of the priesthood here of uh, the offering that a priest would offer incense before the Lord. And in 1 Timothy 2.5, it says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The gift of frankincense, the gift of a priest, they recognized him as priest. You know, when I picture that as recognizing him as priest and the great high priest who knows our infirmities and our weaknesses and was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin, and bids us to come boldly before the throne of grace, I think of fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship and communion with our God. They were recognizing there in this manger laid the one that not only was king of kings and lord of lords, but the one who was opening the way of fellowship to the Lord. 
Brother Alex mentioned it earlier as he prayed and earlier at the beginning of the service, but think of how when the Lord's death on the cross, as he gave up the ghost and as he died, that that veil in the temple between the holy place and the holy of holies was rent in two from top to bottom as God reached down from heaven and ripped it open and say, no longer just the high priest, come boldly before the throne of grace. Communion. The one born that day is the one who brought us back to a place of fellowship with our Lord. A fellowship that had been broken since Adam and Eve had decided to eat of that tree and take of the fruit of that tree and sin and death and destruction entered in the world and separation between man and God came. And yet there was a restoration that day at Calvary. A gift that represented the fellowship that we have with the Lord. I think as we're about to take the Lord's Supper and the call of Corinthians and the Lord would say, let every man examine himself. There's a call, isn't there? Is there anything between me and my Savior? Is there anything that would hinder my fellowship with my God? He left the throne of heaven. He was born in that little manger in Bethlehem. He humbled himself. He became obedient even unto death, the death of the cross, so that you and I might have fellowship with him again. Not just so that we might know heaven, that is, if you will, the benefit of knowing being a child of God, of being a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a benefit of becoming his child, of being born again and born of the Spirit and becoming a joint heir of the Lord Jesus Christ. But he saved us so that we might have a relationship with him from the date of salvation for all of eternity. Fellowship with our God. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing between. A gift of gold, recognizing him as, as king and a place of humility. A gift of frankincense, recognizing him as, as the great high priest as we go before him and, and know this, that I can enter into his, into his courts boldly because of what he did for me at Calvary. A gift we see this, not only do we see a gift of gold representing royalty with a call to surrender and a gift of frankincense, recognizing him as his priest and a call to fellowship, but we see a gift of, of myrrh. It says there in that verse again, it says gold and frankincense and myrrh. A gift for the grave, a gift to anoint the body with for burial. Matthew 27, verses 45 through 51 says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land of the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood there when they heard that said, This man calleth for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a, on a reed and gave him to drink. The rest said, Let be, let us see whether Elias will come and to save him. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. Behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks rent. There was a little bit of picture of Jesus coming as Savior. As Savior. King, priest, Savior. King, priest, Savior. He said, come, and there's a call there. There's a call, two calls, I believe, for the lost man. It's a call to faith and salvation, isn't it? I'm thankful for the day that I put my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that I know that I'm saved and I, and I belong to him. And, and I think there's a call, friend. If you don't know Christ, there's a call in this gift. He died for you and he rose again for you. What will you do with him? But there's also another call. I think it's a call to service. I think of that Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. 
I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Why is it reasonable? Because of all he's done for us. Why is it reasonable? Why is it simply expected? I, I think of what we're about to take tonight. We're about to take that body that was broken for us. I, I hope you take the time as the, as the bread is passed out and as the juice is pressed out, passed out just to think about all that he's done, starting in that garden. He goes in the garden to pray, and he asks his disciples to watch and pray with him, and they fall asleep. Comes back, and he wakes them up and said, can you not watch and pray with me for one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. They would again fall asleep. Finally, you'd hear Judas, Judas and his band coming through the Garden of Gethsemane, and his hour had come. Judas would come, and he'd ask, whom seek ye? And they would say, Jesus of Nazareth. He'd say, I am he. And when he said, I am he, according to John chapter 19, they all fell over backwards. Nobody was taking any of his. Judas would kiss his cheek, that kiss of betrayal, and they would take the Lord and take him before Caiaphas and before Annas the high priest, and there they would buffet him a little and blaspheme his name and hire liars against him and finally send him off to Pilate because they wanted to put him to death and they didn't have the authority. The religious crowd handing it off to the secular world. And Pilate would hear him and find no fault in him. He would try to send him back to Herod, and Herod would send him back to Pilate. Pilate would try to make a deal and say, I'll give you a Barabbas or Jesus. And they would cry, let out Barabbas, this murderer and this thief. And he would allow him to be beaten with a cat of nine tails until his body was, was broken, if you will. His, his flesh hang, hanging from his bones until he was unrecognizable as a man. A crown of thorns shoved upon his head to mock him as king. A robe of purple thrown around him to mock him once again. Stripped again, naked in the common hall, and then Pilate would wash his hands and say, crucify him. Crucify him. And he would be crucified. Taken to Calvary. Nails through his hands and nails through his feet until he would hang on that cross and say, it is finished, and give up the ghost. Reasonable service. How could we do anything but let him have all of us? How could we do anything to say, Lord, you gave your all for me. I will give my all for you. It is merely reasonable. Anything else is to take back what God purchased with his precious blood. Reasonable. I think of those shepherds who, when they saw the Lord, they would would go out and tell everybody what they had heard. It was simply the overflow of what they saw. And I I think when you think about the birth of Christ, it is the overflow to tell the world of who he is. And I think when you think, think of Calvary and what he's done for you, it ought to be the overflow of that that brings us to a place of surrender and service for our Lord. Surrender and service for our Lord. Three gifts, three calls. Gold, royalty, the King of kings and Lord of lords, to humble ourselves and to surrender ourselves to Him. Frankincense, communion with God. It is an incredible privilege to be able to walk with Him as Word and walk with Him in prayer and know that He is my mediator. 
myrrh. He was going to give his life for me. He would give his life for the sins of the world. How can I not present my life a living sacrifice? How can I not give him everything I have and serve him with my life? A living sacrifice. I think as we're about to take the Lord's Supper, as you think about what God has done for you, as you think about his birth and think about why he came and what he did for you, friend, examine your heart. There's the clear call of Scripture to examine our heart. Examine, have you humbled yourself before him? How's your communion with him? Is there anything between you and your Lord? And how's your life for him? How is your life for him? It is our reasonable service to walk out of these doors tonight and serve him with our life. It is merely reasonable. Let's pray. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for your goodness to us. I thank you so much for the Christmas story, but Lord, it was just the beginning of an incredible story. The story of a God who would leave the throne of heaven to come to this earth to live his life without sin, to die on the cross, to rise again three days later that we might be saved. Lord, we're about to take up the Lord's Supper, and I pray this evening that our hearts would be in close fellowship with the Lord. Lord, if there's something that stands between us and you, that we would examine that and deal with it, confess it and forsake it, that you would have all of us tonight. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me just ask you this this evening. How many of you can say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm on my way to heaven. That's a, that's a settled thing for me. If that's your testimony, would you raise your hand? And say, Preacher, I know that. I'm, I'm a settled thing for me. Thank you. You may put your hand down. Is everybody here tonight say, Preacher, I'm unsure about it, but I would like to know Christ. I want to put my trust in him tonight. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anybody like that? You say, Preacher, would you pray for me? Let me ask you this then, Christian. How many of you say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? It may have been in the Christmas story that was read, the songs that were sung. The message as it was given, but you'd say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? And would you stand with me as that pianist is plays and invitation is given? And as God has spoken to your heart, do business with him. Maybe just a time to examine your heart before him. And Lord, is there something between you and I? But as God has spoken to your heart, do business with the Lord.